You're listening to the Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 66, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 210 and Uncanny X-Men number 139 from August 1980. Welcome to the 66th episode of the Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the Amazing Spider-Man comic book issues read chronologically by the release date along with another comic from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many lawn boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode, we will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings for the issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way, talking about them with my friends. And joining me, as always, is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Death Pro. Hello, Pat. Uh, Just like Madam Webb, I can help you tell your future uh, what? With vagaries. Uh, it's going to be vague and not exactly helpful, but um, what do you want to know? What will our podcasting be like in the future? Oh, podcast in the future. Uh, I see um, Jason's internet freezing, Delvin coming late, mm-hmm. uh, Jared making fun of him for coming late, but not actually preparing like he should for the show. No, that's the past. Yeah. Wait a minute. That sounds like... <laughs> You know, 15 minutes ago or something. Uh, never mind. I'm not good at this. Go on to somebody else. <laughs> I predict you will go on to someone else. Ooh. But who will it be? Either Jason or Delvin. Choose wisely. <gasps> now I got a finkle iron, finkle iron. <laughs> Guns digging in my hip. Well, I guess I will go with Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Wrong. Never go wrong with that. Oh, I chose poorly, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think you chose poorly. I just, I just, I mean, speaking for me, I, I don't think you chose poorly. I thought you chose great, Pat. I think so too, Delvin. Yeah, it just I, occurred I don't to me to it. if one of us was going to be Madam Web, it should have been Dark Web. Yeah, yeah. I should have let him have that bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's okay. Do, do you you want me to pretend like I didn't hear your part and then like use the Madam Web bit that I was going to use? Yes, hundred percent. Not like it hasn't happened before. You it's, know, it's different variations of the yeah. future. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Here goes. All right, I got a bit. Well, here, here goes. All right. So, yeah, uh, found this chair. It's it's super comfy, and you know, uh, Miranda made it for me. And uh, I'm precognitive. I can I can see the future and everything, but I I I can't I can't move. I can't really get up from the chair. So um, just handle me with care, please. Like, don't, don't move me and everything will be okay. Did you do something in the judo? Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. It's, you know, I, I'm just trying something new. There's this chair and, yeah. and I have these abilities, right? Like don't, don't ask questions, Pat, and don't move me in from the chair. Like, 82% chance that Jason moves him from that chair tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I've seen a vision. Keep keep Jason away from me. He, he wants a movie from the chair, especially uh, around issue two thirty of Amazing Spider Man. Oh, oops, uh, never mind. Oh, 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 oh. 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 Huh? huh? What? Is it? Oh, we did get a glimpse of the future, didn't oh. we? Oh, I like that. Delvin finally gets up at issue two hundred and thirty off of the chair. Let's let's look forward to that one. If we all rate it a five, then everybody Nobody's gets up. Now, <laughs> all right. Well, speaking about keeping somebody from moving a chair, let's go ahead and see what Jason the Weasel Skull Ulbrich is up to. Sorry, my internet froze. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to leave the pause in. No truck in silence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh shoot. Sure. Uh, uh, no. While you guys are doing all that nonsense, I'm uh, gonna. Uh, head up north to Canada, go make uh, peace with some friends. I got uh, got some Molson in the car. Oh, yeah, Molson stop, nice. Get some peen on the way. What? Yeah, baby. Oh, I forgot. Oh, eat the hell out of that poo, man. You know, Good luck <laughs> with that edit pack. Gravy on my face. I'm yeah, dripping down my chin. <laughs> Just keep it going. Yeah, uh, well, I don't if think we have to worry about eat good when you're in the woods. Poo- <laughs> he just reworked the lyrics to cocaine. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, let's move forward here a little bit before we actually get off more of the rails that we were trying to stay on. I was worried about you actually touching Delvin and kicking him off the chair, but you're more about just going off the rails here. I don't think I think Delvin's going to be all right sitting in that chair for a while. I hope. When it's not quite lunchy, but you got the munchies. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. The thing is, synopsis and yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Let's get the singing out in this. Well, speaking about singing, if you want to give us a sing, singing a voicemail, that would be kind of fun to have, wouldn't it? Uh, Our first singing voicemail, like a telegram, but not really. You know, it'd be right up. Yeah, it would be really cool. (laughs) But let me tell you how you would do that. You can just leave us a voicemail. That we just might play, even if it's a singing one, we probably will. Just leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. All right, our bags are packed, and we got the snacks. It's time for the Lombox Crusade road trip to the Lombox Mobile crew. Shotgun, shotgun. Dang it. Everyone buckled up. Here we go. Well, now that the garage is empty, Gene will have more space to record episodes of LBC Irregulars, the indexing of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. Oh, no. Did anyone remember to leave Clinton some food down in the basement? He's going to need it as he makes more episodes of Fan Film Fridays, his ongoing look at online fan films. Why are you speaking in such a scripted manner, Dark Web? Anyway, you can relax. I asked... Rick, or was it Jeff? Who can remember? I asked the attic guy to come down from time to time to check in on Clinton. You know, take some breaks from recording Monday Movie Muck about his movie review show. Weasel Skull, did you give Rick the key to the basement? Key. Sounds like LBC headquarters is in good hands, Death Probe. Right you are, Christados. Oh, Pat, can we stop off at KB Toy Store? I'm going to pick up some Transformers and G.I. Joes. They remind me of Transformers Chronicles and G.I. Joe Chronicles. Our show's going through the Marvel run of Transformers comics and the Devil's Do run of Joe comics. Well, while you guys are doing that, we can also stop by a Blockbuster video and get some tapes to watch for action film face-off. 
That's the show where we discuss two action films and have them duke it out to see which one is the episode champion. Is that VHS or beta? Yeah, either one's fine. We've got a lot of stops to make, but if we can, let's squeeze in the Walden books and score some comics for us to talk about on Crusader Chronicles, the show where we move chronologically through the amazing Spider-Man comics and include a bonus issue from the same release date as the Spidey we're covering. I will definitely keep an eye out for our Walden books. It'll come in handy for the Pure Lombok Crusade episodes, our time capsule show where we take a deep dive into a randomly selected comic and talk about news, music, and movies, and ads that were popular when the books were released. I'll also be on the lookout for our electronic boutique, EB, if you guys don't know the lingo back then, so we can get some more comic-related video games for us to discuss on Comics to Council Crusade. Good thinking. If time permits, let's hit Circuit City. I need more positrons for our pop culture positcast show. The one where we find all the good stuff in pop culture that others seem to poo-poo. Positrons? Shut up and go with it. These old-timey, out-of-business store jokes doing anything for you folks? Well, if you like old-timey stuff, we also offer Saturday Matinee Theater. Our look back at old TV shows, serials, and films that have kind of been forgotten. I think that about covers it. We definitely want to be your road trip crew, folks. Whether it's your commute to work or a road trip of your own, why not pass the time with us, your friends at the Long Box Crusade? Once again, that's Long Box Crusade, available on all your finer podcatchers. Good job, team. I'm getting hungry. Pat, stop at the next Kenny Rogers Roasters that you see. Or Pentagons. Burger Chef! Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode, and it is Amazing Spider-Man number 210. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of November 1980. Its on-sale date was August 12th, 1980. Cover price was 50 cents. Editor was Alan Milgram. Writer, Dennis J. O'Neill. Penciler, John Romita Jr. Inker is Joe Sinnott. Letterer is James R. Novak. Colorist goes to Bob Sharon. This is reprinted in the Essential Spider-Man Volume 9 trade paperback. Also on the Marvel Masterworks Volume 268 of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 20 hardcover. Cover credits go to penciler John Romita Jr. And inker is Alan Milgram. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is basketball orange with black letters. Spider-Man swings in his peach quarter box. He's perched up there like a hawk. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is white with blue highlights, not unlike the Orlando Magic. The main action is Spider-Man, shot from behind as he swings into the mystical and mechanical layer of Madam Web. She sits in the center of the center of her techno web. She can't be taller than 5'6". Two cover blurbs give us a slam dunk that reads, Hey, Spidey. Think you're the only webhead in town? Meet Madam Web. Is this a play on Spud Web? Spud Web. Hey, you got it. It yep. is Spud Web, and we've talked about teams he's played for in his career. <laughs> what gave yeah. it away? The 5-6? Five, 5-6, six? Five, six. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> where I landed it. Yeah, well, the, you said Orlando, so, right? Yeah, Orlando. He played for the Magic. He played for the uh, Hawks, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah. All right. I got you. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I do my best. Don't look for a theme in one later on because I didn't write one, a theme into the X-Men one. Oh, man. It's more OG. So just warning our listeners now. Hmm. Well, I hope it's a good one anyway. I'm sure it is. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts on this one. And we will start with Delvin. It's not a bad cover. Like, 
you know, Madam Web isn't the most dynamic character in the world, you know, I mean, and that she is literally supposed to just sit there, but pretty cool visual. And I like the Spidey pose, you know, Spidey is looking all athletic and stuff. And hopefully, you know, he's not about to, <laughs> you know, attack or kick Madam Web. He goes, that ain't, that just wouldn't be nice at all. Look, she's a frail old lady. I mean, come on, man. But other than that, I like, I like it. Like, you know, they made Madam Web look as cool as she possibly could. And they gave Spidey a cool pose because after all, it's Spidey's book. It's a good cover. I do agree with you. She is kind of looking interesting that you want to pick this one up and start reading it and the web that is the technology i guess that's kind of sticking in around her uh really looks interesting like spider-man's kind of swinging into its own web there yep jason what's your thought yeah this one is really interesting i don't think i've seen one quite like this before madam web this is the first time i've encountered her so when i looked at the cover i didn't know if she was friend or foe and even though she looks frail she does look kind of foreboding in the middle of that techno web and i'm wondering what's going to happen and i like how the techno web of the cover really blends into the actual webs up Mm -hmm. onto the amazing spider-man title it all just kind of blends together really nice even the spider-man in the corner box looks like he's jumping out about to jump into the action so even though this one probably isn't the most dynamic where you've got like a Spider-Man versus Dr. Octopus or Green Goblin, it's very interesting and it just works well. Colors, inks, and layout all seem to come together. So I like it. The more I look at this and the way it, it she's sitting, it kind of reminds me of like someone sitting in a beanbag, the beanbag chair. <laughs> I thought so too, yeah. I podcasted all 66 episodes of these Chronicles sitting in a bag chair. Cool. That's good to have. You know, I mean, bags are fun. I don't. When you're done, you got to get up. That's the bad. Not so good with our knees, these ages we're in now. A lot more fun when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like a turtle. It's on his back on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) And the kids just sit there and laugh at you. (laughs) Yeah. me with a stick. Well, Jared, what's your thoughts on the cover? Echo, Delvin, Echo, Jason. It's not an A-list villain, but it's a really good cover. The nerdy uh, artist in me wants to point out it's a really great use of Vanishing Point. If you follow all the, the lines from where the technology go, they all go to the same Vanishing Point, which creates a real synergistic effect. Then they lay the web on top of that, which also has its own Vanishing Point, if you will, in the dead center. It's just a perfect study in that the technology looks cool. Madam Web looks cool. Like Jason said, great point. You don't know if she's friend or foe. She kind of has a dark look. She's mysterious. This is a really interesting cover for me to score because, you know, it. if I had it as a poster, I would probably would hang it up because it's really neat. But I don't know. It's hmm. not an A-list villain. So I got to think hard about what I'm going to score this thing. Is she a villain? Not no. really. More of a no, mystic. You know, I, I know. I guess my... Th- dealings with her is from the cartoon you know the early 90s cartoon is it the early ni- yeah yeah there's the 90s cartoon i didn't see it uh i didn't like watch it watch it but i do remember her being a part of that story yeah but i didn't think she was like you know not villainish like but interesting cover well speaking about scoring the cover let's go ahead and do that right now and as a reminder we have a rating system here for Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. It's a one through five. Five as you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. 
four really liked it, three liked it, two didn't like it, and one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Ooh. Jason, one through five. I think I'm at a four with this one. Like I said, it's very unique. Haven't really seen one like this before, but like Jared said, I'd almost be tempted to hang this on the wall. It's very cool. Four for me. Four for you. Delvin? Easy four for me. I don't have to overthink it at all. It's four. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, Jared. Boom, boom. It's a four. It's a four for me, too. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, Open the door. Everybody votes it's a four. Yes, sir. Awesome. I love it when we all harmonize like this, you know? It's cool. Well, will we harmonize again with some other stuff? We'll find out. But let's go before we do. I'm hoping that Delvin's synopsis. It's full of Spud Web references. <laughs> <laughs> I know the odds are low, but it happened once before. We accidentally used the same, re- actually twice. I think we used a Kingpin movie reference what? and a Black Cat by Janet Jackson reference. No, you use Cat Scratch Fever. You're oh, like, I, I just felt stupid for not using the more yeah. obvious one. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking about getting a synopsis from Delvin, let's go ahead and get one from him right now. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider, a Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. His amazing friend, Iceman and Firestar. The title of this issue is The Prophecy of Madam Webb. Rupert Dockery is slimy and is planning a scheme at the Daily Globe, and obviously Pete runs into it as he is trying to make his way to a meeting at the Daily Globe. Looks like Rupert is trying to kidnap the publisher of the Globe, K.J. Clayton, and doesn't want anyone to know about it. Spidey doesn't really know about it, but thanks to his girlfriend slash plot device, Debbie, what's her name? He gets a clue to go visit a psychic called Madam Webb. That reminds me, Pat, uh, you caught up on editing? I I would probably get on that. I'm seeing a flight, some items in a front yard, and and a garage. Anyway, anyway, Pete visits Madam Webb, and though he is skeptical, she seems legit and gives Pete clues to where he should go next. Oh, yeah, Jason, uh, I'm seeing a broken web, uh, kitty cats, a flight, S- some items in the front yard again, and, and a garage. 
maybe get your internet fixed? I'm not sure. Turns out Madam Webb was on the up and up and Spidey uncovers a scheme where KJ Clayton had an impersonator and Dockery was going to take advantage of it, but Spidey saves the day, which causes the globe to go belly up and he's out of a job. Guess what bristle-headed publisher is going to bail him out? Don't have to be a psychic for that one. Jared, I'm sensing an angry wife and, and a checking account in a negative from some cross-country flights. Uh, put away the garage too. What, what is this, 17th century France? Back to you, Pat. Try, <laughs> I'm trying to understand what my future hold there. And I... I think he's saying that Jared's going to come and strangle both of us if you don't get the editing done and I don't fix my internet. Ah. Crystal ball's cloudy. I, 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 don't, I don't know. The long with that, again. that guy Jason was here. He's he's the, he's the smarter brother. You yep. Know? Yep. He's the Sherlock Holmes' the smarter brother. He is. He definitely is. I was still adding him up in my head. I was like, it's <laughs> Uh, I know, I'm like, what is he doing? I don't know what he's doing, but uh, I'm scared now. I'm scared. I better. Hey, we're gonna cut this one short, guys. We're gonna make it <laughs> quick and simple. We're just doing ones, one high or a low, and that's it. Just because I guess I got some editing I got to do or, or something <laughs> like that. All right, Delvin, thank you for that synopsis. Let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? And we'll start with Jared. First read? No. No. <laughs> this is a again this you know i told you back when we had the 187 sure america it's kind of where i start my collection started and uh yeah i've read this matter oh four, so it's you four mm. <sighs> <sighs> all right well we'll move on to jason the other elbrick is this a first read or a reread at least this is a first read for oh, me all right delvin first read or a reread First read for me here, <gasps> Pat. It's first read. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a first read for me, and you know what that means. No. Yeah, it no, ain't that, happening. That, that, doesn't mean, doesn't mean Jack because <laughs> Mr. Reed are over there. Yeah, you know, look at me, yeah. Pat. I'm a collector. I collect look at me. I'm, 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 I'm literate. I read books. Reading <laughs> comics was just for fun. <laughs> Those days are gone. <laughs> All by myself. That's right, you will be. I don't want to be <laughs> all by myself. And stop reading comics. <laughs> you're ruining the reading rainbow. Oh, well, maybe next time. We'll see. Let's go ahead and get to some high lows or what does. And we'll start with Mr. All by Himself, Jared. Give us a high, low, or a what the? Well, biggest high is I'd never read this before, so it was a very. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the biggest high, I'm probably stealing it from everybody. Don't feel like we're spinning wheels anymore. Feels like the editorial team made some decisions. And we've got a real story with a real energy going in a real direction with a real penciler. And I'm very happy about that. I second that, definitely. Yeah, this was one that was tying some loose ends a little bit together. Hang on a second. I don't want to imply that the other pencilers were bad. All the pencilers sure. have been fine. But, you know, it feels like a solid decision has been made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's definitely some direction going on in this one with characters, story, and the art is really good. But let's hear from some other people 
Well, Delvin, high, low, or what the? What's interesting is that I'm not even going to take my first tie to talk about the book itself. I'm going to talk about John Romita freaking Jr., who at present, and I think I've said this a few issues ago, a few episodes mm-hmm. ago, I don't care. He is presently drawing Amazing Spider-Man in 2022. This book was cut out in 1980. If yeah. he was drawing it back then, that is incredible. That I am amazed by that. That is so freaking awesome to me. Like, and I really... What's that, Pat? Oh, I, not to interrupt, but... And he still looks good, too. He, the guy's got some arms on him. I don't know if you get that <laughs> from shape. holding a pencil or something. <laughs> I, you know, I think I subscribe to the theory, like, John Romita Jr. is about, like, five foot two, maybe, so, like, I think it's easier to stay in shape if you're smaller. Like, all he has to do is, like, three push-ups if you look at that. <laughs> that's, 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 what I, that's my theory. But um, it's possible I'm jealous because it's just easier for a smaller frame to get more muscular. But, yeah, he, I am, I am just amazed by him. And I really need to, if I find another con to go to and see him and just tell him, like, like dude, like, we do a podcast where we're covering your stuff from 40 years ago. And I still collect Spider-Man. And I have... I've collected your runs of Amazing Spider-Man, and he did Peter Parker's Spider-Man, too. I just, man, is an absolute legend. And so it's awesome to see him at the start of Amazing Spider-Man like this as the regular penciler on the book. I'm very excited about this run. Yeah. He's got some good genes, you know. He's got some good genes. Yeah, it comes from good stock. Yep. And I think it's all just to tack on to that. Another kind of fascinating thing about him is, is oftentimes, most often, our second feature because the Crusaders Club members hate me, is X-Men. And I think about the time he fades off of this book, I think he becomes the regular penciler over on X-Men. Jason and Delvin would know better than me. So it's yeah. like, we're never escaping this guy. And that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I had him when we met him at Dra- uh, Dragon Con uh, two years ago. The, I got him to, to sign uh, uh, some of my X-Men books. Yeah, the man did multiple runs on Uncanny X-Men, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just just two flagship Marvel titles. Ho-hum, ho-hum. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> job on both, too. And I, you know, I'm torn. This is Welcome to Ramita Cast, because I'm, I'm torn, because <laughs> I lo- like, this is just my heart warms when I see him draw like his dad, like he's doing right now. But yeah. then again, I also kind of like it when he finds his own voice, which is a little blockier, a little a little sketchier. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, sure. When he finds his own voice, what it looks like, it, it, which is great. You can look at it and say, that's John Romita, but there's another place in my heart when he's drawn like his dad, like he is here. I'm just like, man, that just makes me feel good. Yeah. He is a work of art himself. You know, just like Delvin said, from eighties to now amazing, no pun intended, but it, it's really interesting. Him, him and Tom Cruise. Yep. Yeah, it must be that unicorn blood that they're mm-hmm. drinking or whatever mm-hmm. is going, definitely happening. Jason, high, low, or what the for this first round? <laughs> I just had this mental image of John Romita Jr. getting bitten by an irradiated Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 That's where he got his power. I'm sorry, I had to share that. I had to get that image out of my brain. Back to Jason. Well, let's keep the uh, John Romita Jr. love going here. Even though he is drawn in his dad's style you can see his own unique influence in here and what jumped out at me right away was the action scenes how he storyboarded those out and i'm a sucker for an artist who can really make that action move panel to panel to panel 
see me wax poetic about Norm Brayfogle, I'll just end it right there. This will be a come a Norm Brayfogle podcast. But that scene where he gets bum rushed by the uh, four uh, thugs, just that scene where he's punching them off one after the other. And then he hits the one and that dude's head bounces off the glass and the glass just cobwebs uh, from the impact. You can really see how he uses the environment and he and, and just the anatomy, the attention to detail. Uh, you can feel the punches in this thing in a way I don't think I've seen yet in any of the Spider-Man books that we've read to this point. And I really dug that. And I'll just say one more evidence of that in that scene where he jumps on the train table, uses the train table to take out the two cards like a seesaw, <laughs> you know, and then uses the train table as a shield as they're shooting at him with the guns. Just magnificent stuff all around. Fantastic art and just really did a good job of moving Denny's story forward. Just hats off. And I'll stop there. Yeah, I totally agree with you on what you had said, too, with the art style, the the paneling that was done. This read, I want to say really quickly, but I was drawn into this and just was reading and was having a good time with this one. I actually read X-Men first, so this mm-hmm. definitely read really quickly. <laughs> really. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just trying to get people mad so they stop picking X? They're just gonna you're just gonna make them yeah, pick X-Men you, again. Uh, uh, prepare yourselves for later in the show. I, I like this issue of X-Men. Just a spoiler. Yeah, you know what? I think you're actually wanting to read X-Men and you're making it seem like <laughs> I'm baiting the club members yes. into picking X-Men. Yeah, like, oh boy, I hope they pick it, pick it. What can I say to make them Pick it. I don't know. I really like that flash issue we did. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's go around to round number two of high lows and what does. And we'll start with Jared. Shoot. I forgot there was two rounds. Um, Well, you know, I I can get some editing done a little bit later. Let's we're going to stand. You know what? I like the conclusion to the um, what's his name? (laughs) Dockery. Dockery. Rupert Dockery. I like the conclusion of that storyline. I thought it was kind of neat, you know, like uh, his plan was kind of solid. Yeah. You know, hire, uh, make the world think that this is the lady who runs everything. Oh, I inherited the whole thing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. I totally heard her say she was <laughs> going to give it to me. Like, I thought, okay, you know, we planted the seeds about who is this guy and what's going on with this paper. Something's not quite right. And it led to this, and I thought, oh, it's kind of a cool and clever and fun story, and I'm I'm glad those things connected because, like I said, we've had some wheel spinners with very limited threads in the background over the last few, and it's nice to see that come to fruition. And I'm just really interested to see now that we've got a good team. I think this team stays together. I, I hope I'm right. If it feels like we've got the team, uh, we'll find out next episode. But I, I like the wrap up to what limited ongoing story we did have. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed this putting an end to some of the things like, you know, wh- how long is Peter going to be at this place? And how does he get back to the bugle? And what was kind of all going on in, in the background kind of came to an end here. Very, very well done and put together by Denny, I think, along with, again, the great Ramita art. Let's go ahead and go to Delvin. Are you going to talk more about John Ramita Jr. or do you got another high-low or what they're about something else? 
I'll speak more to the story. I, and for a second, I was kind of like, where is this going? Like, because it was interesting how they kind of backed into it. You know, they got that introduction of Madam Webb and he was like, ah, I think psychics are a bunch of quacks. And then as, you know, he barges his way into the story trying to get to his meeting or whatever, I was still kind of like, where's this going? And like, oh, KJ Clayton is a is a woman. I, I did not see that coming. Then it wasn't it wasn't the pretty younger lady. It was the older lady using her as a disguise because she just wanted people to still think that she was uh, young and pretty. And so, was, and then and then that turned into a kind of a power play. So, in about twenty two pages, they turned it into a pretty interesting story that was. A pretty fast pace as well, but like it, I mean, there are enough twists and turns in, in the uh, assuming it's about 22 pages. How many pages is it, Jared? This one was 22 pages this time. Okay, they yeah. 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For the so longest like, time, it was a little shorter than that, but yeah, this mm-hmm, is a 22 pager. I know some of the X books have been 17 or 18 pages. So yeah, I'm I, sure I just. That. <laughs> <laughs> to Jared, they sound like 42. <laughs> We we will get to X Men, but yeah. <laughs> um, overall, though, like I was, I was impressed by the pacing of the story. I was impressed with the content of the story as well. So yeah, that's good, and it, and it was very nice. It was real cool too. That and, you know, anytime I have gotten more of an affectation for Jonah through doing Amazing Spidey Chronicles. And so when he kind of made his appearance on the last page, kind of like, and I'm trying to give this <laughs> no good so-and-so a job and his phone's busy and guy would figure it's like, that's, that was, it, it just was a good wrap up to the story. It's almost like, oh, we got a nice art team on. I hope Denny O'Neill stays around because I know Denny O'Neill to be a good writer as well. And then you got Jonah coming back. Everything's starting to feel Spidey again. So hopefully a coherent story is starting uh, with a creative team that's going to stick around. It, it was good feelings all around. Do we have anything kind of lingering yet? Does anybody know? As far as pain like, in my hip, that just that, that's not. <laughs> oh, you mean in the story? In the yes. story, yes. No, I think this kind of wraps everything up. I can't think of anything that's besides still... MJ not being around and yeah, dating this. Yeah, MJ kind of stepped out. They kind of had their little breakup, but no, yeah, I can't think of any other major dangling plot thread. Yeah, I can't either. Because the last few things have always just been some one off kind of a stories going on. So, Black Cat, sort of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's still around. Yeah. yeah she's, she's got cat scratch. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make a quick point. It's not my turn. It's Jason's turn coming up. But I want to mention the the older lady who was running the paper who hired. I think she hired the good looking model to play the role. So basically, she, she was like her own worst enemy. And then like they finally showed the real. And I was like, she's a. I mean, she's a she's a slightly older, middle aged lady. She looks fine. But there's like you. He was like you hag and all yeah, this stuff. I know. Like Ooh, she looks perfectly harsh. fine. <laughs> it was like, wait, wait a minute. Is that is that Rupert Dockery or Leo DiCaprio? <laughs> 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 Timely jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jason, you've been waiting for a little bit. Why don't you go ahead and give us a high, low, or what the? I'll go with the second high. I thought Madam Web was a really interesting character. Like I said, I had no idea. I've heard of her before, and I think I did catch her briefly, like you were saying, Pat, in the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. But I really didn't remember much about her. I didn't remember if she was 
good or evil or sort of in between. And you still really don't know at the end of this episode, you know, the most dangerous person to Spider-Man is the person that knows his alter ego. And the fact that she knows it is really, was really kind of shocking to me at the end. So I'm still kind of on the seat of my seat, as you would say about this Madam Web character. So I think she was a really good design, very interesting. And I'm interested to see more from her. Did a little quick research behind the scenes, by the way. This is indeed, as one would suspect, her first appearance. Oh, okay. And if you have comic in a high grade, you know, nine four, nine six, nine eight, it's you know, a couple hundred dollars for this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just it's, don't hold me to it. It's a quick cursory look, but it looks mm-hmm. like high end ones. You're looking five, six, maybe seven hundred dollars if you have it in, in a really nice quality. Wow. So yeah, she's got a following out there, and it's probably thanks to that cartoon, Pat. It's probably where a lot of the people bidding on those things are kind of remembering her from uh, I unless she was in the most recent movie which i wouldn't know because i haven't seen it you guys would have to tell me <laughs> no I, I i would be interested like jason said now and not knowing a lot about her either i just know she's that kind of a psychic person that peter would go to to you know try to find stuff does somebody take advantage of her knowing that information you know and and use that to you know kind of get some other information out of her about future stuff or where to find stuff. That's a good point, Pat. I mean, she wouldn't have to necessarily have any nefarious reason to harm Peter, but, you know, somebody else that found out information in the wrong hands. Yeah. Yeah. Like a kingpin type person finds out about her and which brings me to my next question. This Dockery cat. Do you think he's wearing kingpins old clothes that he grew out of? (laughs) <laughs> he did look like a kingpin wannabe did yeah <laughs> just a couple sizes smaller you know he was a baronet pin at best <laughs> vanessa well, drop these off at the goodwill I, I'll, I'll take those for you Bob. <laughs> dockery <laughs> the funny thing is he's like you know i'll get to you later i'm gonna answer this phone now and then i'll get to you later and he just lets her wander around whatever floor she's on and it's like you know, you're just going to let this old lady kind of run around and, you know, why did she do something or try to get away or something? He granted, she's not even said, that old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a hag, Pat. I mean, she went, <laughs> she's, not, she's not in good shape. What was she going to do? Run to her refrigerator? Am I right? She's kind of like the Willard White situation <laughs> in Diamonds Are Forever, you know? She's <laughs> <laughs> just a crone. No, to anyone listening, I am joking. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out, Delvin. Don't worry about it, people. <laughs> okay, good. No, I mean, I'll edit out that you're joking. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay, that's fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jared. What's your high, low, or what the, for the second round? I went. All right, I was the first one to go in the second round. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I don't put the pressure on me. Uh, I like the third panel of the last page. It had a picture of what. That's all I got. All right. Thank you for that. That's what I was looking at right now. (laughs) It is a cool splash page of the Madam Web. Definitely a cool splash page. Pretty good issue all around. But what we really want to find out is, is there a silly Spidey moment in this one? Jason, what's your silly Spidey? Well, I think Delvin highlighted it the very end when uh, he's on the phone with Madam Web and he was lamenting that he doesn't have a job. And she says, well, I kind of got a good news, bad news situation for you here. You know, good news is you're getting your job back. Bad news is. And then you find out who it is that's offering. It's old J. Jonah Jameson again. So I thought that was pretty funny. 
Not a bad one. Delvin, who are you choosing? I thought it was pretty funny when Spidey was, um, the four guys jumped on him. And Spidey just having this whole conversation about, yeah, got, what, you guys aren't going to even say anything? Like, you know, me and, me and Doc Ock, you know, we would talk about, like, <laughs> philosophy and poetry. Yeah. And, every, and one by one, just knocking them completely into orbit. And, like, I just, for him to just casually do that, like, four guys just, like, like punching on him, I just thought it was hilarious. Jared, what's your silly Spidey? Speaking of that scene, I'm pretty sure this is where Matt Reeves got the Riddler character design from the latest Batman film. (laughs) (laughs) They all look just like... Anyway. (laughs) My silly Spidey moment is right before Delvin's. That whole scene is great. When he first busts in and everybody shoots at him and he says, what you're presently viewing, friends, is a demonstration of super speed. Look impressed now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he had to tell them to be impressed by the fact that he was dodging multiple bullets at once. And I just thought that was super cool. I, I like that. I need to see more of that in a Spider-Man movie. I need to see, like, remember in the first, in 2002, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, when he dodged the the the, the bat razor rangs thing that, that Goblin yeah. is all slow-mo? Oh, yeah, man, yeah. I'd love to see him do that with a bunch of bullets from thugs, man. That's just, that's cool Spidey stuff. But it also made me laugh because he had to tell them to look impressed. Yeah, that was another good one, too. I like the two panels above that. Of course, he uses chuckles as he comes in and makes some fun. I missed the chuckles. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's like. I see it now. Mm -hmm. Little fun one. All right. Well, now that we got the silly Spidey out of the way, let's go ahead and get and rate this one. And as a reminder, it's a one through five rating. Five as you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. (laughs) Four really liked it. Three, liked it. Mm. Two, didn't like it. Mm. And one, you hated it. It Mm. ruffled your tummy feathers. Mm -mm. Man. Delvin, one through five for this issue. Just like the cover. Pretty easy four for me. I was very pleasantly pleased with the story, with the direction I was going, with the pacing, with the artwork. Very good. It's a four. Jason. I'm probably going to be high man on the totem pole. I'm going with a five on this one. I really liked it. I just really got caught up with the new art style, the action sequences. I thought it was a really good ending to that story arc. I kind of was a little bit nervous when I saw Denny O'Neill's name back on there because the last one we read by him wasn't that good. And boy, he really made up for it with this story. And I just really was captivated by the Madam Web character. So five for me on this one. You know, I'm going to jump in here before Jarrett and say, you're not alone, buddy. You're not alone. I'm with you on five. So it's up to Jarrett now to decide. Two cool guys? Three cool guys? Or or what? Well, I am going to do, you know, the right thing here and give it a 4.5. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, sir. You You can't do that. What? (laughs) Who made up these rules? (laughs) <laughs> pretty sure you did. You're the, you're the first one that started this. I'm pretty sure Jason. <laughs> it came back to bite me. All right. I am gonna join Jason with a four, but I want to do a currency exchange like I've done uh, in the or I'm sorry, you Delvin, with Delvin with a four. I want to do a currency exchange though and point out the fact that there's no major villain in this book. And to write a four story with it's basically a little bit of a quasi who done it, not even really a who done it, but just kind of a quick little thriller. Mm-hmm. You get a four for that? That's impressive. So you can almost currency exchange it for a five, but 
I'm giving it a four. It's Ooh. like when I give X Men a four. We all know everyone else is going to give it. A four. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, when you give it a three, everybody gets it. <laughs> oh, so it, it's a high number for you that you're looking at this one. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate this, that. This this, this Spider Man is a four for me, but I, it's impressive because there's not, like I said, there's no big no big villain there. So they got a lot of mileage out of that four. All right. Well, it seems like we got a tie between two cool guys with the fives and two four chumps. Damn. <laughs> you, you, you notice how he is always on the side of the cool guys. Right? <laughs> no matter what the numbers are. He's cool guy. <laughs> I know. I've been a cool guy and I've been a chump. chump. So there's only one person here that's been a cool guy every time. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Took me 66 episodes be? to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need the audience. The listeners to help us figure out which team are you on? Two cool guys or two cool chumps? See, I, I called you cool chumps now. So. <laughs> yeah, it makes it better. There you go. So hopefully that helps make it sound a little bit better. Now we're going to bring in a new segment for the Spider Man issues. And this is brought to you by a listener who decided to take upon himself and do a little segment for the show. And we're making it a part of it. It's called Karma Count, and it is with. Auburn Elvis. Let's give it a listen. I guess I'm your karma. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. There's nothing above it. Hi, Crusaders. This is fan of the show Auburn Elvis. And from time to time on the Longbox shows, the question of can these superheroes improve their strength by working out comes up. Well, according to the 1984 Marvel superhero role-playing game, they can. But it ain't easy. In the game, heroes gain and lose karma points for how heroic their actions are in the game. Karma can be saved up over time and spent to improve a hero's ability score. Improving the ability costs 10 times its current score, so if Spider-Man wanted to improve his strength of 40 to a 41, it would cost him 400 karma points. And to give you an idea of how long it would take Spider-Man to earn that much karma, here's how much karma his actions in this issue would be worth. Amazing Spider-Man 210 starts off with Peter abandoning poor Deb and showing up late to a meeting at the Globe. Neither of these are heroic, so he'll lose five karma for each of those actions. Once he gets to the Globe, Spidey knocks out most of the kidnappers, so he'll earn 15 karma for their eventual arrest. But since he failed to prevent Belinda Bell from being kidnapped, he'll lose 15 karma there. Also, making jokes is encouraged in the game, so we'll give Spidey five points for that art, philosophy, and politics joke that he made during the fight. At the end of the issue, Spider-Man rescues Belinda and takes out the kidnappers, which earns him 20 and 15 karma, respectively. But, since he also destroyed some property in the process, he'll lose 10 karma as well. Finally, Webhead returns to the globe just in time to rescue Miss Clayton from the fire and capture Rupert Dockery. These are worth 20 karma for the rescue and 15 for the arrest. Plus, since Dockery also confessed to crimes in another city, that counts as a local-level conspiracy, and Spidey earns another 15 karma for the same arrest. So, after adding up everything, Spider-Man earns a total of 70 karma in this issue. That's actually not too bad for an adventure with no supervillains in it. And if Spidey were to do this kind of thing four more times, he'd have enough karma to improve his strength from a 40 to a 41. I'm Auburn Elvis, and thank you very much for listening to this karma count. Now play us out, Joe November. I guess I'm your karma. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. There's nothing above it. Oh, that was really cool. Thanks, Auburn Elvis, for sending that in. We look forward to hearing more about those in the future. And it's always cool that someone's paying attention to the storylines like that. 
All right, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question, send us an email at contact.lawnboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail, and we just might play it on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. going to be right back. With his army of evil on the march, Bird Negaton appears to have time on his side. But when duty calls, they answer, bringing the fight for freedom to the front lines. They are the mystery men and women known as the Justice Society of America. Hey there, my name is Al Girding, and I have a favor to ask. If you're a fan of the Justice Society of America or other DC Comics Heroes of the Golden Age, please listen to my new podcast, The All-Star Comics Review. Grab your reprints, DC Archive editions, or the original comics if you're lucky enough to own them, and let's explore the adventures of the JSA and other Golden Age greats. Follow along with the All-Star Comics Review podcast, now found on iTunes, allstarcomicsreview.blogspot.com and Facebook. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by the Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show. If you want to get in on the voting and all of the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to Patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join in for as little as $1 per month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected Uncanny X-Men number 139. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of November 1980, but its on sale date was August 19th, 1980. Cover price 50 cents. Editor was Luis Simonson. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Thank you. Plotter and pencils go to John L. Byrne. Inker Terry Austin. Letterer Tom Orzakowski. And the Color Me Bad colorist Glennis Wee. This is reprinted in Classic X-Men number 45, Essential X-Men Volume 2, X-Men Day of Future Past, Marvel Masterworks Volume 40 of Uncanny X-Men Volume 5, and some other ones that are out there. Lots of reprinting of this one in many different forms. So go ahead and find it, read it, and report back to us with what you thought about it. The cover credits for this are done by The Penciler. John L. Byrne, with his inker in arms, Terry Austin. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. I'm hoping he's got some theme about it. There's no theme here. I'm going to tell you right now. You know what? There is slightly a theme, though, while you were uh, reading all that off, Pat. I did a little background research. We have a theme between these two books. This book also, if you have it at a high grade, like a 9.6 or a 9.8, you're looking at about 500 bucks uh, because wow. this is the first Heather Hudson. This is 
the first Kitty Pride officially as part of the X-Men. And for you astute people who are looking at it, the first time that we learn Wolverine's real name. So, uh, yeah, it's like $500 book. Angela, it's not the first time we learned I was gonna his, say, we heard his it real name. Earlier, we, didn't we? That, that one that you didn't read with the with the Incron crystal, the little elf creature calls him Logan in that issue Oh, wait, well. no, no. I, someone did call him that, and the one that I did read, I guess it might have been that, uh, the half of it I did read. Uh, but I guess it's the first time that they learn. Yes, it's the first uh, time the X-Men learn, learn, or any of the X-Men learn. Uh, okay. That is- All right. Anyways, uh, let me stop doing uh, eBay research and do the cover description. <laughs> New segment, Jared tells you the value of the comics we're about to read. The Marvel Comics Group banner is blue with yellow letters. The yellow corner box holds the heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Kitty, Pride. Nice attention to detail. Nightcrawler and Angel. It's too good attention to details for that. The Uncanny X-Men logo is white with red highlights. The main action has the cover split into three quadrants. Thirdrants. Tridrants. Anyway, one vignette shows Colossus and Angel fighting a robot and some flying metal rods. One shows Storm wrapped up in some mechanical tentacles, which I'm sure is probably very popular in Japan. And the third has Wolverine and Nightcrawler being attacked by a polar bear. Dead center is a circle of Kitty Pride, and it states, Welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. Hope you survive the experience. All right. Thank you, Jarrett, for that synopsis. That must have been the pride of your... Mm, yeah, I, 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 I can finish this in. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some quick cover thoughts on this one, and we'll go with Jason. It's a good cover. Decent. Accurately reflects what's going on in the story. Not much more to say than that. I mean, not definitely not one I would hang on my wall, per se, but, uh, you know, well-drawn, well-executed, solid. I'll stop there. Delvin. I went back... In red, 138. 138's cover was fire. I mean, it was good. And, like, but the story, not so much. And then this cover, I mean, it's not bad because it's Burn. I mean, you look, it's an excellent drawing of Angel. You could tell that Burn enjoys drawing Angel. And every one of those things did happen in the book. But it was just kind of like, and I say that on the Burn scale. Meaning that Burn has drawn some covers mm-hmm. that you look at and you just want to weep. They're so damn good. And this one for Burn is just average. Like, yeah, let me just whip something up real quick and, and just keep it moving. And that's what it felt like for this. And I'm going to rate it Burn scale accordingly. You know, I, I do kind of agree with you. This is one that looks really good, but the overall drawing you in, eh. But it's one that's kind of iconic. You know, everybody kind of knows this just because you just look at the center of Kitty Pride and you're like, oh, this is Kitty's, you know, she's on the team now. Jert, what's your thoughts on it? I think Delvin alluded to it. I think this was a last minute rush job. I think it shows. I think it's real simple. There's not much detail to it. In fact, I could almost swear that drawing of Storm is taken right out of the panel from the comic. He might have... uh, used his own work there. I'm not sure. It's slapdash for burn. If I can use a word like slapdash. Hey, hey, careful, Jerry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you about the things I do like. I, I mentioned it in my cover scripture. I like that attention to detail where they swapped out the heads in the corner of mm-hmm. who was on, yeah. in, and on the team. I thought that was very nice. 
Uh, but now let me get negative again. I, I don't know who was in charge of picking the colors for the corner box or the Marvel Comics group banner, but they don't fit. On uh, a recent episode of Come Out to Play, the live stream Delvin and I do about New Warriors, we had a cover like that. It was a Vance Astro cover uh, where he had just launched his dad through the wall or whatever, and it had color issues. It just it was it was all over the place, and this one has color issues all over the place, just kind of up there, down in the in the trigents, the whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. It's all good, it's all fine, but once you get up there, it's something just off, like something in my color wheel is like mm, no uh, for the corner box and the banner. Still though, it's better than an ad for a ten speed bike, bike. or twenty five hundred dollars or whatever ad has driven Jason up the wall lately. Well, Drew is all up the wall, but more so Jason. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I can see where you're talking about there. Um, you know, what would be a good color? What would you be playing off of? I, I think there's a lot of darker colors throughout. I think I would have played with that. I think I would have toned it down like like a dark blue or a dark orange or, or, or something. It just, it's a little too... You couldn't go with green because that... It's kind of in those bottom and that. Yeah, maybe I would have. Maybe I would have done the Marvel Comics group banner in black with those green letters. Mm. And then the corner box, maybe the purple of the tentacles. Okay. Okay. Used in the bottom. And, you know, I would point something else too. You know, uh, Byrne is really known for drawing very sexy women. And uh, he, uh, kudos to him. Kitty Pride on this cover is not sexualized. She looks like a. 14, 15 year old girl. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the cover ratings for this issue. And it's a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It gave you a rain to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, it's, you liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Speaking about babies, Jared, one through five. Oh, what? <laughs> um, I'm, well, I'm, gonna, not, I'm not mean. I, you know, I mean like baby, like hey. Baby, let's, oh, okay, that's very sweet. You know, like, yes, I'm gonna give this one a three, and it's flirting with a two, and it goes back to what Delvin says. Burn is a victim of his own success here because while I have harped on some stories, I have been big on some covers, and just like Delvin said, last issue's cover was an all-time banger mm-hmm. with a weak, weak story. Here, as I'll tip my cards a little bit, I got good things to say on this story, but the cover was just slapdash and rush. In fact, there's two pages in the book that I would rather they have used for the cover. So I'm giving him a three, but it's Byrne being a victim of his own success. All right. I, I hear what you're kind of saying, what you're putting down. Delvin, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at a three. Uh, and I'm not as bad as uh, Jared is leaning towards two. I'm just solid three there. Even like the Kitty Pride, and I don't know what you could have done to make Kitty Pride look dynamic, but like her costume was just like that's the basic plain trainer level costume. So she hasn't even yeah. really been established yet. And I know they actually go into that like in later issues with uh, her experimenting with some new costumes or whatever. But yeah, it, it's a three. Um, yeah, but agree with Jared. Victim of Burn is a victim of his own success here. I think looking at it, it could have been higher if. Somehow I had never heard of John L. Byrne before this cover, right? But we've known him now for years uh, at this point on Uncanny X-Men, so it's a three. Jason, are you on a three? Are you going higher? 
No, I'm going to stick with the fellows at a three. As we've been talking, I've been flipping through this book and found like four pages that, that have better art than are on this cover. Um, I mean, there's a banging two-page spread on pages two and three of this book that's mm-hmm. just fantastic. And Jared's absolutely right. I went back and looked at it. It is the exact same image from the uh, book that he uses for Storm. So, yeah, I think Jared's right. Probably was a little bit of a rush job. But, uh, you know, if you've got a rush and you got to cheat and you're John Byrne, you can cheat off yourself and still come out with a three, which he does. All right. Well, guess what, everybody? It's time to knock on that door. It's a three for me. We're gonna do We're gonna do Actually, only got a three. But we still like him and him and him. All right. Now that we got the cover out of the way, let's get into the story synopsis. And that is brought to you by Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus. Children of the Atom, students of Charles Xavier. Mutants, feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. Men are practicing in the danger room and things get crazy. Watch out! Angel almost kills Kurt because he's out of shape and lazy. Worthless. Laura takes Kitty to a school where she can dance. Wolverine and Nightcrawler go to Canada to give Alpha Flight one more chance. James Hudson and his team are on a manhunt for some big game. But Nightcrawler is attacked by the creature. And Wendigo is his name. Predictable. All this and more in X-Men number 139. Man, I'm, I'm really digging his groovies. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I like the, the extra added thoughts that are put in. 
maybe Chris Claremont could learn something from me, you know, just, you know, tone yes. it down, just yes. <laughs> bear, bear it down a little bit. <laughs> you got burned drawing it, man. Let that sweet art just tell the story, you know, you know, or Orsted would say, you know, man, just, just hey, let man. that sweet art, man. Yeah. Just look at it. Let's just let burn. it tell the story. I man. think that. Uh, Channeling my Orsted with these synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) I think you are. I think you are. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to some brick or brack. Is this a first read or a reread for you, Delvin? It is a first read for me, Pat. We'll go around and see if Jared, is it a first read? Yes, it is a first read. When I was reading, I thought, I think I've read this before. But then at the end, I realized it was a first read. So look for a different, whole new reveal on the next episode. Well, it's a first read for me. So that just leaves. (laughs) Hey, I was that guy in round one. Everybody (laughs) leave Jason alone. What's with these Elbricks? Well, it's a reread. Okay, it's a reread. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> gotta ask gotta ask uh, just this episode is not the episode for us to get a reading rainbow folks so hmm and i hate all of that. you yeah. <laughs> yeah why do you guys have to read comics all the time man no fun it's what i do read comics <laughs> we at least got to find something to make it enjoyable but you know, we'll, we'll think about it figure something out how about we figure out some high lows or what does for this Jason, you got a high, low, or what the? I'll start with a high. I really enjoyed the Nightcrawler Wolverine trip to Canada. You're getting to see more of Wolverine's history, his past, um, why he's so close to the Hudsons, and that will all be revealed a little bit later. But mostly what I really like is this is, you're starting to see Wolverine transform even more into kind of the team player. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that he wants to go and resolve this thing peacefully if he can so that he can really make a commitment to the team says a lot and you're starting to see that friendship between kurt and logan that's going to go for decades throughout this book as one of the the best closest friendships you know in, in comic books in my opinion so i like that we're getting to see that here again i agree i think this whole story that was presented to us after the heaviness and all that had happened. The previous few issues we've read is a good starting point again, I think. And you're right. The character development between Logan and Kurt, you know, it's been a long time building and I feel with them too. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I I can really uh, relate to both of them and just like, you know, they're kind of starting their buddy relationship. And I think it's really cool. And, you know, he's got a Logan's got a new costume on, and they kind of explain that, which is yeah. oh, okay. You know, all right, why you got a new costume on? And I, I was fine with that, but definitely this one, action wise, I think the action that was in it is just some of the flashbacky action, but and the danger room action, but I really didn't get much action in it. So I think that's coming next issue, but it's okay because. There's a lot of setup going on now, and I'm looking forward to it. With that said, Delvin, what's your high, low, or what the? 
Yeah, there weren't any action in the last issue. I tell you that much because I went back and read. I was like, yeah, let me read it. And it was a flat. It was like history of the X-Men issue. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, this is so boring. (laughs) Hey, you would have agreed with me on the last I would have. I would have. I skipped so much of this, that book. Like, because then at the end of it, it was like, it's like I was like, yeah, I'm I'm leaving. And and, and (laughs) Ross Eric was like, I know. Oh man, that could have been a book. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's not this last issue, not this one. This issue was a refreshing palette change where they started in the danger room. They introduced uh, Kitty and gave her name Sprite, which I thought was terrible. <laughs> I, I never liked the name Sprite. They give her another name before she finally settles on a cooler name, Shadow Cat. Shadow Cat's cool. Sprite, not cool. Yeah, I was um, gonna say I'm like Sprite. Why do they call her Sprite? Yeah, like you know, like a like a spirit. Young. Yeah, young oh, oh, spirit. That too. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, and like Pixie. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah, I got it, but I was like, yeah, nah. But they like the way she makes them laugh with all the crazy things she do. She's got a smile all her own. Oh, I like the sprite in you. I got it. I got it. I got it. At first, I was like, where's he going with this? Oh, I see it. I see it. That's old school. That is. Anyway, yeah. I'm old. Yeah, touche. I'm not too far behind. And yeah, I also like the, you know, story where they start going into a little bit of Logan's past, too. Uh, And instead of just leaving it a Logan solo story, they brought in Nightcrawler. I applaud the palette change. And of course, you know, with Chris Claremont still in the book, the way that this would work now is after about three straight years of Claremont's storyline, chances are there would be a new writer on the book. That's how they do it nowadays. Like after like his three year plus magnum opus. And but this time, you know, like Claremont's like, all right, yep, I'm done with that. All right, let's reshuffle the team and let's start back over. We got Angel back on the book and we got Sprite on the book. And then let's see how we're going to, you know, Make it roll as a team. Yeah, I like but, the palate cleanser. Yeah, and I like that he did call back to some older issues, you know, with Wolverine and the Alpha Flight team. I yeah. like that. I, yeah, they um, they call back on older issues, so it's not like they went completely away from the history that Claremont has invented. Because sure enough, they, they did put that vignette in where Wolverine and the X Men fought Alpha Flight, or mm-hmm. specifically Guardian, uh, right. and that that super cool like maple leaf costume and uh so yeah they brought that back in and it's like no like no we're friends i'm not here to fight um i'm here to make amends and then like ran into the wendigo situation but we can talk about that in a little bit all right jared what's your high low or what the for this first round well guys i liked this comic i did brace yourselves uh the only thing i found amusing about is like hey we're going to canada and there's some kind of monster out in the way. I'm like, it's Wendigo. <laughs> it's it's always Wendigo when you go to Canada. There's a monster noise. It's Wendy. Uh, we found this footprint. I got a cast. It's it's Wendigo. <laughs> it's like it's, it's it's always Wendigo. So I laughed about that. But let me let me get off about get off of that. I, I found it more amusing. Like it didn't bother me. I was just amused by it. In fact. Not much at all bothered me about this. I want to echo Jason on the Wolverine Nightcrawler thing. That's always nice to see those guys hanging out. I'm going to go the longest. I pulled a path there. A long road to a, a what the or an eyebrow raise. 
I've read enough, dabbled enough X-Men to know something Stevie Hunter. Stevie Hunter is, there's something there. And I'll be darned if I can remember what it is. <laughs> but I'm like suspicious. But you got to give up to Burn, who drew her sexy in the very first panel that she's interested in, that she's introduced in. And she's about an inch tall. <laughs> he still managed to cram sexy dancer into one inch, barely of drawing. But yeah, Stevie Hunter, I got my eye on you, girl. I mean, not just because you're sexy, but also my senses are tingling. That also said, so, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So are you saying you want to hold her close, young, tiny dancer? Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I also think there's something up with her. Something maybe possibly nefarious. I have hmm. suspicions. And I think Aurora or I think Aurora picked up on that as well. Interesting. Yeah, they, they did note in the book where it's like that Aurora had some trepidation mm. about it. So yeah. I can't remember. I can't I honestly cannot remember whether there's anything about Stevie Hunter and Jason is conspicuous in his silence here. Mm. Mm. You know, I have Jared interested. I'm not saying anything else. Okay. I just I, I'm vague memory from childhood. Be suspicious of this lady. You got me more interested now, too, because I was just thinking it was just something cool that Aurora was doing uh, with, you know, Kitty to as taking her under her wing, you know, being that sister kind of to her, uh, you know, that helping her along with everything. So I, I thought that was cool, taking her to a, something that Kitty liked to do and, you know, that she hasn't been mm-hmm. able to do mm-hmm. for a long time. But, yeah, now I'm rethinking that scene with all that now and you, all right, so we got more. I feel like Claremont, like Jason, I know knows stuff. the answer to this, and he's just staying quiet. But mm. like, I used to read some of Jason's books when I was a kid, and I'm like, I feel like there's more to this. Well, Jason, do you want to reveal it to us now or hold it back? You don't have to reveal it, but oh, I, I'm going to hold it back not not just because I because I know that there is more to Steve, Stevie Hunter, but. I don't, I honestly don't remember exactly. Okay. So I, you know, anything that I gave you right now would be very speculative and okay. no, quite no, that's possibly fine. wrong. So. I, I'm again, I am now interested like Jared to find out what's happening. So let's go to round two. You got a high, low or what the, Oh gosh, I think I'll go with the, um, having angel back on the team. Is that a high <laughs> or a low? I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I'm going to say it's a high for right now because I like the way they're doing it. I've never been a big fan of Angel, and I've never, re- but I, I don't dislike him either. So, like, having him on the team is neither here nor there. But I like the fact that he's come come on, and you can see in the opening story and the da- opening of the story in the danger room that he is not at the speed of this new team. He is a step behind. He's out of shape. He's, he's not, like Fat he's, Thor. He's like Fat Thor right now, yeah. And to his credit, he admits it. Like, oh, man, I got a lot of catching up I've got to do. So I like that they're bringing him back. I like the way that they're bringing him back more so than than I like the fact that he's back, if that makes sense. It I does. just thought it was good writing the way that they – are trying to reintroduce him to the team and give it up to that first page. That's a great page artistically. Mm-hmm. It that looks good. Great drawing. And I felt so bad for Terry Austin. Cause I just could like almost hear the phone call or the office <laughs> talk where John's like, man, I drew this awesome angel. You're going to want to, you're going to love ink in this. And Austin's like, nice. And then 
Burns like I also drew a forty-two flying rods on there for you to <laughs> mother. Well, and the rod launcher in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, yeah. I want those perfect circles, please. As again, that's you got to get the templates out. You get your ruler, your little circle templates. He's like son of a mother. <laughs> yeah, G- Jason, I do agree with you on the, the team aspect here. So we've had this team that was building, and they finally gelled together. You know, especially. In the last, in the second to last issue we read, you know, on the moon and all that, that went down. Now you have that kind of team, a few people missing and new ones come, coming in with Kitty and with uh, Angel coming on board and Oreo becoming the team leader. You know, that's announced that there it is. You, know, you, you, you had, you had Aurora before and I was like, oh, I was slow at saying that name. So I was know, like, who? is this saying aurora i was like where's oreo there there it is there's my pat and so i like this because now there's a shake-up again you know it's the team shaking up the team with some new players and how it's all how are they all going to gel together like that i also liked how wolverine spoke to him and again there was and maybe i'll stop i'll I'll stop there because yeah i see delvin uh kind of don't stop there. In. Go ahead. It's a, it's a great point. I was going to bring it up. Oh, okay. Go for oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, I, I I liked how Wolverine dealt with it as well. He didn't argue that Angel was out of shape and not not up to speed with the team, but he also encouraged him. And you can see Wolverine mm-hmm. starting to take on a little bit more of that mentorship role. I always kind of felt like Wolverine, yeah, kind of the sergeant major or the first sergeant of the team. You know, he's not really the 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 officer type that you want to have in charge of everything, but he is a veteran and he is somebody that can inspire others. And you see him starting to do that here a little bit more, which I like. Delvin, you got a high lower with that or want to continue on with that? No, I thought Jason covered it great. And we talked about the first page and how, again, I, and I mentioned how I think Byrne really enjoys drawing Angel. Joe's a very pretty angel. Uh, and then that last page, that Wendigo was fire. (laughs) I mean, they, uh, you had Kurt, like, you know, he was already kind of like emotionally distraught. He had the, uh, chick from Alpha Flight that kind of, I like that little juxtaposition where the chick from Alpha Flight creeped him out and then, he creeped out the chick from Alpha Flight. They're both like, how does he teleport? Yeah. That's so off-putting. And she's like, how did he, she, she change into a bear? I don't like that. Like, so that <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but like, you know, then he kind of just went to a little bit of reflection about Gene and was just really sad and was kind of by himself. And then all of a sudden he turns around, like, oh God. <laughs> and you've got this terrifying monster that's just jumping at him. So yeah, that that was a great cliffhanger. And as I've learned, um, I don't know if you guys have watched the uh, horror movie Antlers. Uh, Antlers came out last year. Wow, I've seen a no. movie that year. Well, it's kind of it's a new movie. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's in the last few years. It doesn't count as a win. <laughs> maybe you can cover it on a horror film face off one of these years. But um, you know, not really a spoiler alert. Antlers was about the Wendigo. And as soon as they started revealing it and some of the things, I was like, oh, yep, I know about the Wendigo. And they kept pretty true to the legend in the book where 
they didn't sugarcoat it. They're like, yep, uh, Wendigo's like kind of a, a cannibalistic guy that, you know, and was inhabited by the spirit. And they did that in the movie Antlers and they did it 40 years ago or so in this uh, Uncanny X-Men. So it was, uh, yeah, Wendigo's has a grotesque past. And so it's interesting every time that they bring them about how they have to bring them about because it's not pretty. So is this Wendigo when I'm trying to understand the story that they said happened, it's was a guy that got possessed. Now it's a girl that was trying to free the guy or that that's where I was kind of lost in the, the story that he was telling. Yeah. It seemed a little bit confusing as to who the Wendigo who was. The I kind of got lost on that too. Okay. Um, Jason, you look a little bit confused, but if you got any light to shed, please. Do. I thought that it was the other guy that the, that the sister had, had hired to try to break the curse. Okay. Because the sister think, was there doing something. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought that it ended up being the guy okay. that, um, yeah, let's see here. I didn't read it, so. <laughs> you just said you did. <laughs> I'll keep you guessing. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't the only one that was kind of confused on who it was now, because they were given like three or four different people's names during that story of what was happening. Yeah, the dude Baptiste, supposedly, he cast the spell uh, instead of her, and then so he took the Hulk's place for the transformation. It says, when the dust settled, Cartier, the original, was was cured. Marie, the sister, was driven insane, and Baptiste, the guy that cast Uh, the spell, had become the Wendigo. The new Wendigo. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what sure it says. Now told in a really tight story wise that like Claremont does. That's <laughs> why. Clear and concise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking about somebody who's clear and s- precise. Concise. Unsight concise. Concise. Yeah. Either way. The opposite of precise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, my final high is just going to be the art in this. Delvin already hinted at it. Burn is master of his craft. Austin is the perfect partner for him. And I'm going to specifically go to that moment where the Wendigo shows up last page. Like Delvin said, amazing. Let's back it up one page. And this is where I became firmly convinced that uh, the guy who directed The Predator, and I don't remember who directed that film, has read this comic because it's totally using predator vision that predator sense in there yeah vision was a thing and i was like hmm that's interesting burn really gets into facial expressions in this one especially around nightcrawler and as delvin alluded to as well you know with that cool canadian flag costume shaman snowbird uh, burns definitely saying hey i have a command of these characters as well because i think it maybe at this time he was doing alpha flight or he came here from alpha flight i know he was on alpha flight around this era but man everything he draws looks great that's what i'm getting at that was not concise (laughs) (laughs) no when i saw the book it's almost like you know when we were talking about the cover it's almost like he like did all the interiors of the book it's like done and remember the cover (laughs) done where's the cover oh you know what i i would bet a five dollar bill that that is true because the book is incredible. The cover is like, like, like you said, I would take the first page. I would take the last page. And I would take the two panel splash page as the mm-hmm. cover over the actual cover. Definitely. The interior art is gorgeous to look at and definitely his layouts, his plotting on it. He knows what he's doing. 
All right. Well, now let's find out who went the extra mile for this issue. And we'll start with Jason. Who went the extra mile in this? I'd have to say it's Wolverine on this one. I think he's really stepping up, uh, taking more of a leadership role, taking accountability for his past and his past actions, and actually cashing in some uh, mileage tickets to get to Canada and going to step in to help out with that Wendigo problem. (laughs) Although, turns out they didn't really have much of a choice. (laughs) Wendigo kind of came to them. So, but yeah, I'll go with Wolverine on this one. Delvin, who went the extra mile for you in this issue? 100% agree with Jason. I think it's Wolvie. I really liked how he was the person that kind of told Angel, hey, dude, it's okay. Like, look, you don't have to say something like you're not going to make another mistake. You are going to make a mistake because you're Angel. You're (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry no he, but I, the way that he said it is like yeah you know like it's okay like we understand that you just came back right you're gonna get it dude you're fine and then like there's just several levels where then i was like you got a new costume where how'd you get eh, I just felt like it <laughs> so he is a lot less of the complete misogynistic jerk that he was yeah. When he first came along and he just has now the edges have completely uh, I mean, he's still a hard dude, but like the edges have softened and he has more of a personality and it's been well formed at this point. Claremont's done an excellent job with him. I will agree with both you and Jason as well. Um, My pick is Wolverine as well. And you mentioned it right there with the new costume. You know, it's he's shedding that old kind of a skin and putting on some new skin that's, you know, a little softer looking. And, you know, he's not the new guy anymore. Jared, are you going to join three cool guys? Well, while Wolverine is taking on some really good character traits, because if he had been Wolverine as we met him when we first started this run, mm-hmm. he would have told Angel he was worthless and to get out of the damn danger room. <laughs> and he's learned tact, and he has learned some emotional intelligence. But I'm actually going to give my extra mile award to angel. I'm yeah. kidding. He will never get the extra. Mile. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm it's Wolverine. It, it's Wolverine all day. This is Wolverine's book. It's Wolverine's story. Great to see him develop. Yeah. It's Wolverine. All right. So it looks like it's four cool guys. Finally, we are back. Woo. Boop, boop, boop. Now that we've got the extra mile out of the way, let's find out how we will rate this issue. I want to see where Jared is going to be. So do I put him first? Do I put him last? Mm. But before we do, we need to find out what the rating system is here. As a reminder, it's a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four, really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. (laughs) Let's find out. Delvin, set the bar. The bar set at four. Really good book. And I I like the palate cleanser. I like the jaunt up to Canada. Uh, I've given Alpha Flight a lot of crap, but I've always liked the character Shaman uh, as well. And Guardian with that cool costume still. There's a lot of good elements in the book. So uh, it gets a four. Really good. Jason. I'm with Delvin at a four. Something Delvin said earlier in the show kind of hit home with me here as I was thinking about it. He's right. You know, in these days, you'll have a comic book writer and usually a comic book team that will finish an arc and then they'll just replace with another team. And that team is always so quick to kind of 
tear down or or just kind of discard sometimes what happened before to start their own story. And in this instance, you get to see the team really coping in their own ways with the loss of Gene, the loss of Scott, becoming a new team, having to gel together with new members, and trying to address issues in their past. So there's something really to be said about these older comics where the writer and the artist, or at least the writer, stayed on with the story you know, uh, uh, through several arcs. And I think that that's really what knocks it up to a four for me. Well, that and John Burns art, <laughs> so, which doesn't, doesn't hurt. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was a good, good observation, Delvin. I am going to give this a five. I loved it. I thought it was great story. I'm really interested to find out what's, you know, where this goes, the big bunch of teams together, Wolverine w- working with his old team again. And seeing what happens. So I loved it. Jared, where do you lie? I think where it goes is the Wendigo reaches into his fur and he pulls out. He's like, I have the Omicron crystal. I'm going to trap you inside. I'm like, ah, I'm just kidding. I'm giving this a four. I'm giving it a four. I'm, I'm joining the three cool guys on four what, islands. What? And oh, five damn. chump can go live <laughs> by himself. That's right. That's what you give her, man. Optimistic no. sucker. <laughs> You can Wendy go over there by yourself. <laughs> no, I'm super cool guy. The super I, cool guy. I don't know if this is a reflection of like, I think he could have put together any halfway decent story after that last book. And I would have been like, it's a four. So that might be what's happening here. But no, I, I like it. And as I hinted at a little earlier, I, I know what is to come. Uh, so I know what's coming next, and I'll tell you why on the next episode. And okay. uh, yeah, it's we're doing we're in a good spot right now. So me, me, and me and Chris are good. All right, good. You know, and I think we are in a good spot for both Spider Man and yes, yes. Both, both books are very solid this episode. Definitely. With that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at lawboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. We'll be right back. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. Because you demanded it. It's Treasury Cast, a podcast devoted to the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. DC, Marvel, Archie, IDW, and more, bigger than life. It's the Treasury Cast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusader Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, 
voting to help determine show content, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Elburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Raxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Glenn Robinson. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Slacker. <laughs> Candace Ward. <laughs> Kathy Bright, MVP. Mark Ross. Max Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Bennington. And last but not least, Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longbosscrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just our ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. Now we will move on to uh, comments from Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 64, where we covered uh, Amazing Spidey 208 and X-Men 137. And just as a quick reminder, if you want to be included on the list now, this is how far we've come as a podcast. And trust me, we are absolutely blessed and grateful for this. Like we're getting to the point where we were just reading name after name after name of people who were liking the podcast. And please, by all means, keep liking the podcast. But uh, we don't want to just have like, you know, five minutes of list at the end of the podcast anymore. So what we're going to do is anyone who is retweeted or made a comment, we will be more than likely including those comments at the end and leaving a like so people don't just have to press fast forward over the end of the comments and show anymore and just go to uh, the outtakes, you know, which I admittedly do myself. <laughs> So in any event, uh, we are now going to talk about uh, anyone who uh, did any uh, shares and retweets from social media. Tomb Priest, the pod crusher, a.k.a. Tim Price, I think. Daniel Arietta. We need more retweets and comments. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. <laughs> That's it, folks. <laughs> Big gulps, everybody. Well, see ya. Oh, no. yeah, well, keep I, in mind um, that if you share... Or retweet, it does help with the algorithm getting it out to more people that way than just what a like would do. So it would definitely help us out. And if you could do that for us, we would appreciate it and show you some love back by saying your name. Absolutely. And to uh, Tim and Daniel, thank you so much uh, for your share or retweet. And we know that we're going to get many more in the future. So thanks in advance to that. And thank you to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We truly appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. 
And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, Lombox Crusade, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin for joining me this episode. But before we go, let us find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Jared. I'm at Yard Sale Artists, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Yard Sale Artists. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Pat. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream on YouTube. It's always the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Check it out and make sure you subscribe and like Longbox Crusade on YouTube. We're doing a lot there now. Lots of videos to go out there and watch and listen to. So go check it out. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, we would love to hear from you just by emailing us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page, all at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to... The intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Beep. Hey, Longbox Crusader Club mem- people, members. Hey. Hey, Longbox Crusader Club member people, men. Um, This is Paul Hicks. I'm just letting you know that um, even though I'm a Patreon and I can vote for things, I have never once voted for the X-Men. In fact, I think this message is just for Jared. I've never voted for the X-Men, Jared. Remember me. Oh, I should probably pull the script up. I I, I took a lot of time to mock Delvin and not be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great backfire here. I can't say I'm sad for you there, Jared. I, I imagine you would be, be like, oh, it's a shame. <laughs> That's too bad, oh, no. <laughs> if you guys are ready, we can start. Better luck next time. Twat. 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 One of his classic lines. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Do 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 do. Okay, there's roll. <clears throat> welcome back to. Oh wait, welcome back to. Welcome back from. It's like I'm beginning again. You know how many times we've done this? Yeah, I have. I think it's sixty-six. Yeah, <laughs> that was gonna be my precognitive vision that we would land right here. <laughs> <laughs> Jared does his thing. Yada yada yada. Flip it around.
But anyway, yeah. so if you're doing this section, Delvin, you could be happy to remind everybody, hey, if you want to get your name read, we're going to look for shares, looking for retweets, or definitely if you comment, um, we, we appreciate everybody who gives us likes. It's just that's getting really long <laughs> and taking okay. it. And we love the fact that it's long, but you, you know what to do. You're, you're no dummy. Oh, this might be the nicest thing you've said to me in quite some time. Huh? That's right. I was inspired by Wolverine in this issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dummy uh, chump. Uh, that's, oh, I'm, I'm a ch- You're listening. What? Oh, I, know, I thought I heard something. Never mind. I heard a banging, but we were all on mute, so I had to be out of your end. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'm like, what? I think your house is haunted. <laughs> it is. Well, we cleaned out the basement, so I must have disrupted something. There's not much behind me. Well, there is a little bit of stuff behind me, but all right, here we go. You're listening to the amazing Spider-Man. See, <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get out. <laughs> you suck. It's Ghost of Hammer. No, that's Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you're peeking out of the bookshelf behind you. <laughs> all right, let's do a show for real. <laughs> Freaking me out, man. You're freaking me out.